On episode 501 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Chuck Rose and discuss his book, Customize Yourself, Nutrition, and what I learned from my 110-year-old mother. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 501. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Haka Life Nutrition, the maker of GLX3. I am really glad to have Haka Life Nutrition as a sponsor. Omega-3 is one of the few supplements I take regularly. But even with years of experience and having interviewed hundreds of experts in the health and fitness field, I have struggled to find a great solution until now. We all know farm-raised meat doesn't give us the right balance of omega-3 to omega-6 and that omega-3 helps reduce inflammation, which reduces joint pain and is heart healthy. Getting enough omega-3 isn't as straightforward as it should be. From the mercury in the fish to poor production controls, it's really hard to find a high-quality product that gives you what you're after. That is until GLX-3. Made from green-lipped mussels from New Zealand, this is the only natural source of ETA. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the full name. This version of omega-3 is particularly effective at reducing inflammation and therefore reducing joint pain. That's why my wife is taking it now. I take it for heart health. Go to hakalife.com forward slash 40 plus and use the discount code 40 plus to get a buy one, get one free deal on your first order, which gives you a two month starter supply. GLX3 is my go-to omega-3 supplement going forward. It can be yours too by going to hakalife.com forward slash 40 plus and be sure to use the discount code 40 plus for the BOGO deal. Hey, Raz, how are things? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Um, we got a lot of rain this weekend, so I wasn't really oh. able to get out and do as much as I wanted to, but um, I'm getting there. Good. <laughs> it's just it's a very rainy time, and then yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting prepared for my vacation. Uh, so I think as this episode goes out, I will actually be on that vacation or Yay. really, really close to getting on <laughs> a plane for that vacation. Um, awesome. So on my way for sure. Uh, so I am going to take a week off and the only work I'm going to do during that week is going to relate to taking care of my clients mm -hmm. and existing clients. So I've kind of let that roll down a little bit. And then, so if you're listening to this, I'm right now, I'm not taking new clients and I won't be taking new clients for a little while. Um, so, but I will be starting back up with the training in October. So look for something coming out in a, a few weeks, probably uh, once I get back or get my feet under me as we're traveling around the U.S., um, I'll start putting together when I actually want to come back to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a nice feeling? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when Tammy and I get back in October, you know, I'm going to be launching this. Um, I'm also probably thinking, I'm thinking I might start seeing if there's some interest in on uh, personal training in person, some small group stuff, maybe uh, in um, 
focus here. And then of course, you know, Tammy's doing the, the bed and breakfast. So she'll be opening up the bed and breakfast and I'll be doing these things. So uh, October will be, will be a really busy, busy month for both of us, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to down shift and really downshift for the first week. I'm just turn the car off and just throw the keys away. I'm- <laughs> nice. That sounds wonderful. You got to do that every now and then. That sounds yeah. great. Well, and, and we missed it. You know, it's like we had, we had scheduled the trip to take the vacation and, and then, you know, it got canceled. We did go last fall to see mm-hmm. family. So we, we do need to go back, but um, you know, it was like one of those things we had the vacation plan. It's like, this really doesn't seem to make sense right now. And then we, we moved it. And the, well, the airline I booked with was a bad airline because they wouldn't even refund the money. They're like, nope, oh. you canceled. No, every airline on earth is giving you a credit, at least giving you a wow. credit. And they're like, like, nope, if you're not on the plane, I'm like, is the plane even flying? Right. You know, anyway, they, so a whole other story. But anyway, uh, it was just one of those things where this is a timeshare. And every year I build up a week and it's just kind of one of those, uh, it's not a lose it or use it thing. Ugh use it or lose it thing. But it's just one of those where I now have two weeks to use in one year. Uh, and I don't know that I'm going to go back twice. So uh, I just need to make sure I use this week and push and see if they'll let me <laughs> roll, <laughs> roll my weeks out. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see. But uh, so this is just yeah, a good time for us to go back, um, get some sun, um, maybe have a few cocktails, play some volleyball. And, uh, you know, and, and this this place I'm going is, is where kind of my whole story started for my health and fitness journey as I was there and I was really unhappy with, with my life and my things. And I said, I need to change. And so going back there is going to be kind of interesting um, again, because it's just, it, it's that all that stuff is there, you know, the right. feelings, the emotions and where mm-hmm. I've come and where I was and how much things have changed uh, over that time. Because as you know, this is, this is episode 501. So uh, if you'd asked me back then, uh, you know, do you know at some point in your life you're going to do a podcast? Well, actually, podcasts didn't exist then, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's a very different lifestyle than I thought I would have at this point in my life. Well, Alan, that sounds like a great time to reflect on how far you've come. I think it'll be really incredibly rewarding for you to have that time back there. Yeah, and and play some volleyball, and then when I get back, <laughs> get back, uh-huh. hopefully have some energy. Uh, you know, then yeah, the travels through the Southeast, uh, I'm going to stop everywhere they serve oysters. Um, cause mm. <laughs> it's been over a year, almost a year since I've had any oysters. Oh, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat all the foods I can't get down here, um, and, and do it with reckless regard because I'm off and I'm going to take that break, um, as a detour and that talk about so detours. And wonderful. then when I get back, yeah, I'll get busy with my, with my businesses and get busy with myself and, Mm -hmm. um, make, you know, make the right changes and get back on that highway. And, um, right now I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about what I want to do next. You know, what, what's, what's that next challenge? What's that next fun thing for me? Neat. That sounds like a great way to start your vacation. I hope you have the world of fun. How are things going for you? Good. You know, I was in hell the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mike and I did a race in hell, Michigan. The race is called the run through hell. It's been on my wish list for years and I've just never been able to be in the right place at the right time to uh, participate in this race. So it was a five miler in hell and it was just a hoot. It was just a load of fun. We both did really well. Uh, Mike got second place in his age group and I got third place in my age group at that race. So we ran well 
in hell <laughs> and had and had a fun time doing it. So, and we made it through. We're at, we're back home now. <laughs> well, you know, you know what Winston Churchill said. What was that? If you find yourself in hell, keep going. <laughs> oh, that's what we did. <laughs> yep. All yeah, right. that's perfect. Okay. Well, you ready to have a conversation with Chuck? Sure. Our guest today has spent most of the last 50 years evolving a set of simple, useful techniques to improve and integrate nutrition, fitness, and mind-body connection. As a part of his customizing journey, he decided to learn what he could from the bookshelves of one of the largest Barnes & Noble stores in the world. From a survey of approximately 500 books in the health-related section, he chose what looked like the best 100 and dove in. The conclusion? About 10 books were worth reading. The other 90 could be used to wrap fish. None of them articulated the customize-yourself approach. This situation necessitated writing the Customize Yourself book series. With no further ado, here's Chuck Rose. Hey, Chuck. Welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Hey, Alan. Great to be here. Thank you. So your book, uh, Customize Yourself, Nutrition, and what I learned from my 110-year-old mother, uh, obviously, as a health and fitness guy, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, if someone's on this earth for 110 years, they're, they're obviously doing something right. And if your mother is 110 years old, that tells me you're, you're right in my sweet spot demographic of probably being in your 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, maybe even older, uh, 60s, yeah. okay. Yeah. But, but no, that's cool because, uh, you're in terrific health. Your mother is in good health. And I mean, I think she's, since I read the book, I guess she's 111, maybe 112 now. She will be 111 <laughs> in, in August. Okay. Um, I may have to change the title of the book, but the book just came out. So she's only 110. <laughs> so I think she's the oldest person in New Jersey now. So Okay. Yeah. I was, I was reading some statistics that said they fully expect by the year, uh, 2030 for someone to have lived 120 plus years. Um, you know, there, there, I know there are, there's one or two I've heard of, but they're, they're like, they're fully expecting a hundred years old to be something within the realm of possibility for a, a large Absolutely. number of people. And I actually saw another statistic that said by 2060, they expect there to be over half a million centurions in the United States. So uh, we are getting older, particularly as the baby boomer uh, generation is coming through, uh, because you know we had a lot more information uh, about health and welfare and taking care of ourselves. And uh, so people are living longer with better medicine, better science, better just do, sometimes doing the right thing. Uh, but there's a large percentage of us that are not, you know, obesity and overweight. We're talking, you know, astronomical numbers, and that's getting bigger too, uh, which is kind of frightening. Your book, though, goes through a kind of a process of saying, okay, if I want to reinvent myself, uh, my path is not everybody else's path. I get to choose my own path, er ergo the, the title, Customize Yourself. Yes, absolutely. I, I, if you look at, um, I actually have a customize yourself fitness book coming out next year, which I've already written the first draft. If you look at why people fail with diets, why people fail with fitness, and, and you're a trainer, you see it all the time. It's because they, they, they are told to, okay, stop doing what you're doing, or like with diets, stop eating what you're eating. You know, you're, you've gained weight, you're eating, you know, not a great diet. Stop that. Now eat this. 
it's such a shock to the not only to the system, it's physically and psychologically. There's you you know consciously like well I maybe I don't love all this food, but unconsciously and subconsciously there's all sorts of alarm bells going off that you're not even hearing yet because it's such a, a radical change. And I think that's the same thing with fitness. You 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 probably will lose a student if they just get scared after one or two sessions because my knees hurt and I'm afraid to tell this guy that my knees hurt. So if you don't think to say, how do your knees feel when you're on that leg machine? They won't say my knees hurt. So you really, it's so, it's so critical in the beginning with these changes, or if you're a couch potato, just to get up and walk down the street, just to walk one block. If you're not used to it, I mean, you and I work out seven days a week, a one hour workout for us is probably nothing. I mean, for me, it's, I do it every day. I need it. I need it psychologically as much as physically, but to get people you have to do it gradually. That's why I say the customize yourself approach. And uh, I found that when I was, you know, reading and looking for things to, to educate myself with, I found everything I found was like either a radical approach or a horrible approach. There was no like gradually do this one step at a time uh, thing. And I think you'll find that you're your best students, your most loyal students are the ones that you break in slowly. Uh, if you if you try to do it too fast, I've watched for over 30 years. I'm going to be 69 years old this week. I've been in gyms for 40 years. I have watched in gyms in Los Angeles, New Jersey, Florida. You know, I was a total gym rat until the pandemic hit. Um, I've watched trainers work with first time clients. And I what they do usually is the same thing with each first time client, which is absolutely wrong because they're not all the same. <laughs> And they literally scare their clients away because, you know, they don't say, hey, you're scaring me away, but you can see it in their eyes. Like, I'm not comfortable doing this. And it's like, how do you get comfortable? You have to customize. And so I, I have this very simple approach that I've been using for myself for 50 years. So I went to look for that approach in books and I couldn't find it. So that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you see it. Uh, a lot in the fitness industry. You see it a lot in nutrition too, but it's just not as visible uh, because someone will come on a website and say, okay, or, you know, on Facebook and they'll say, I'm going to change my entire diet and I'm going to go carnivore. And right. I want to lose, you know, I know all these guys, have, I see all these success stories of people that went carnivore. And so they're asking, well, is ketchup carnivore? And, you know, everybody on the group's like, no. Uh, but, you know, I think what happens is people get excited Mm -hmm. And they want to do something extreme for themselves and they want to do it all and they want to do it all now. And so they kind of run at this uh, with an all or none approach. And there's some of us like myself, I'm wired for all or none. I'm the kind really? of guy where we'll put my head down mm -hmm. and just do it. So if I decide that I'm going to do a certain thing, I, I just do it because that's I've just that's how I'm wired. Now, I know, uh, like you said, a lot of my clients aren't. Some of them are, but a lot of them are not. So what you're providing with this book or and, and the subsequent books that are going to come out in this area is that this is for the person that wants to have a structure to moderation. So it's not an if or this and get away from that or, you know, thing. It's all okay look at something, make a decision about it intrinsically, and then start walking yourself away from it. And, you know, I, I think it's also, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, I would say, use my approach and take five years to become an Olympic athlete. You're not going to become an Olympic athlete in four weeks. And uh, I, I think it works, you know, for an absolute couch potato. And I think it works for somebody who is a, is a regular, you know, 
you know, into their nutrition or into their fitness and has, you know, gone halfway down the road to, to take the additional steps. It's, it's like, it, it's just, I, I hope it works for them too, but, but yeah. you're right. It's, it's, you know, I think if you're going to dive into something um, or may, maybe it's an age thing, maybe I dove into things when I was younger, I don't know. Um, but I like that. Uh, I'm skeptical about everything. So I like that gradual approach. I like, I want to feel good with this. I want to know, I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to stick to. I mean, I do one minute of yoga a day. Now I know I should do one hour a day, but because of my weightlifting, running, swimming, and biking, I can't do one hour of yoga a day and still get my work done. So one, so there will come a day when I do one hour, but I want to do it right. So that's, yeah. That's me, you know, but I still do one minute. So I, I know how good it is. Yeah. But that's what I like about your book is it just kind of has a, a different feel to it than most of the stuff that's out there because it, it goes through and tells you all this bad stuff, you know, don't eat this stuff. Don't do that stuff. Don't do this, do this, do this and eat this. And for someone who's coming at it, it's, it's just, it's, for, it's a lot. And so you're not going to stick to it. You, yeah. I mean, those are the, I, I, I quote a few studies in the book and just in general. And I want to compliment you too, because I've read some of the transcripts of your podcasts and you do a tremendous job getting your point across without using too many numbers. Like earlier in our discussion, you mentioned obesity. I would have immediately jumped on and said, the CDC said the obesity rate was 42% in, in America in 2018. And the New England Journal of Medicine just came out with a study in January saying it's going to be over 50% in 29 out of the 50 states in America. And you would have had to like put a bag over my head to stop. I just would have kept going with statistics. <laughs> I love the way you get your point across without doing that, because I think it just some people blur when you do that. I yeah. get excited. I'm like you jumping into something new. I want all the numbers. I want all the details. I want to read all the studies. But I think most people are like, oh, yeah, stop. You're just you're killing me here. I can't you know, I'm not going to process all this stuff. Yeah. But I, I love that you do that in your podcast. I think that's a great strength. And I forgot what I was going to say, because I, I, I had to tell you that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And, and it is it is part of saying, OK, each of us has our own individual path. Each of us right. knows, OK, do I need to lose some body fat? Do I need to get a little stronger? You know, could I use more stamina to keep up with my grandkids? Uh, we, we know that for ourselves. And one of the, the approach you take here, and I love the phrase that you use is the foods. Okay. Basically more harm than good foods. And I think most of us know those foods, the foods that are not serving our body. And, and, but the thought of going like cold Turkey, and you mentioned ice cream, uh, yep. particular ice cream. And, yep. and all of that. And so you would, you would not want to live your life without that ice cream, at least occasionally. And so um, you've listed some, what, I, what you call them more harm than good foods. And you actually have a little table. And so there's a kind of a, where you make a commitment to just making a reduction. Um, I want to go through some of them that you have in there, because I think these are really important. And I think most people will see these as their top uh, not with more harm than good. Foods. I, I got, I got to, I got to tell you one more compliment before you do this. You use a great word. And I noticed this in, in your other podcast, the word commitment, that is so much better than saying you need discipline, you need motivation, which are wonderful things, but commitment is such a great word. I, I just want to thank you for stressing that in your, because we all have commitments to certain things that that's something we all have in common. You know, and I, I love that. Sorry to interrupt, but go no, ahead. That's fine. So 
Uh, can you kind of talk through a, just a little bit quickly the process of the more harm than good foods, the table and how you make a decision of what you're going to do and how you track it? And then, yeah, of course, the end, it. the very end, the, uh, my favorite part is the, the party. <laughs> yes. I mean, I found this simple way of doing this. And I discovered it by reading. I went to the Barnes and Noble in my, you know, in the in uh, Monmouth County, New Jersey, this giant store. I went through the health foods. Uh, I'd say about 500 books in the health related sections looking for a better way to do this. And uh, I read or skimmed 100 books and the best 100 books. It took me 20 visits and I couldn't find something as simple as this. It's, it, it, it's, it's so simple. You know, a lot of people get turned off when their dietitian or their advisor says, all right, you got to make a list. You got to weigh your food. You got to do. No, no, it's much simpler. Your list is just foods that you know do more harm than good. You can list 10 foods, or you can list three foods, or you can list, list one food. If you're eating, if you're having ice cream four times a week and you know that's too much, most people would say, look, stop eating ice cream. That would be the best thing you could do. All that animal fat, that's not serving you well. It's, it's winding up on your gut, sugar and fat, too much. Okay, but that's, people won't do that. It's too hard to do. So what you do is you just say, okay, I'm eating ice cream on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm going to skip Friday. That's it, just one day. And if I get to a Friday and I, I'm craving ice cream, I know I can have it on Saturday and I will have it on Saturday. So there's, there's no loss there. So what you do is you just say, I'm, I'm that one day, one day of ice cream. Then on your calendar, whether it's on your wall, on your iPhone, on your wrist, wherever your calendar is, six months from that date, you write 25% less ice cream. And you do two things when you get to that date. It's really easy after the first week, you're not gonna miss one day of ice cream and you're gonna enjoy those three days even more. But if you stopped eating ice cream, you'd probably be miserable. I know I would. So you get six months down the road, you get to the calendar, it says 25% less ice cream. You do two things. One, you celebrate. It really is something wonderful. If that's all you do, you do nothing else. You don't reduce your bagels, pizza, bacon, or French fries. If you just reduced your ice cream by 25%, you really have accomplished a lot. It really will, will be good for you and you should celebrate. The second thing you do is you ask yourself a question. Now I'm gonna put this down on my calendar again in six months, 25% less ice cream, because I'm gonna celebrate again. But I have an option here. It's only an option. You don't have to do it. Just think about it. I might put down 50% less ice cream. I might cut out one more day of ice cream. I'm a, I might only have it two days a week, but you don't have to do that. And if your list has more than one item of more harm than good, if you have French fries and donuts on there, you can say, or bacon or whatever, rolls, or like I was killing myself with rolls. I had to reduce my roll <laughs> intake. And I, but I did it slowly and it worked. Um, and, um, so a few weeks from now, after you're used to having ice cream, do it again. You can have another party six months after that. You can be having parties all over the place celebrating your success, and you should. And then you decide whether to reduce it or not. And you'll see, too, this might work with your fitness clients. You can do that with exercise, too. You can do that with running. You can do that with distance. You can do it with time. You can do it with swimming. You can do it with biking. You can do it with weights on a machine. That same slow, like, I'm just going to do this little bit, see how it works. And if nothing hurts, you know, a certain amount of time from now, I'll go on to the next level. And that's how you become an Olympic athlete. Or you just stay at that one level. If you've only reduced one harmful food by 25% and you took my book and used it to wrap fish or in your birdcage, you, you would, it, it would be great. I, I'd be happy. I, I'd feel like I succeeded. And that's, it's, it's that simple. I couldn't find that anywhere. That's why I put it in the book. Now, now the first food that you, you go after in your uh, more harm than good foods is French fries. 
Oh, I love French fries. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about why French fries might be first on the list. I, I can tell you stories <laughs> about French fries. I'll try to keep it short because we don't have hours and hours. But when I was a kid, I loved French fries. I would uh, in the in the winter, I had a scheme to get them three or four times a week. In the summer, I could get them five or six times a week because my parents couldn't keep an eye on me. I even went so far as to dip my French fr- dip my French fries in ice cream. That's how much I like French fries. <laughs> And uh, as I got older, I realized that fried foods were really not good for you. So I unconsciously, without knowing I was doing the customize yourself approach, I reduced my intake of French fries. Another thing, and uh, just one anecdote here, uh, I spent 10 years as a lifeguard on Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, and we somehow people would always come up to us for advice. I don't know why, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids were you know, adults would ask us, you know, what to do with their lives, but I guess they had nothing better to do in the summer. And we also used to attract these teenage girls who were always under 18 and they were too young, but they would fawn all over us and they would want advice too. So the one line we came up with, which seemed to stick, and I don't know who said it, it was an anonymous lifeguard, was stay, this was the, our advice to these girls, stay away from French fries and married guys. That was the best thing we could come up with. So that's, that line stuck for some reason. And I find the thing with French fries, if, if that's your thing, if you're eating French fries four times a week and you just cut out the French fries one, one day, when you get to that six month celebration, think of 20, that's 26 weeks later, that's 26 orders of French fries that you didn't eat. Think of that mountain of 24 pile, that giant hunk of French fries that's not on your gut, that's not on your butt. It's not on your thighs. It's there on the floor because you didn't need it. And, and you really can celebrate. And then six months later, you'll have another mountain of 26 orders of French fries. Or you'll have 72 because you went to 50%, which is optional. But I think French fries is the perfect example. I actually, I cut out all fried food within a few years without any work, without any effort. But if you tell somebody who's living on fried foods, to just stop eating fried foods. I mean, it's good advice, but it won't work. It's, it's just too much of a shock. They won't do it. But let me tell you, the gradual approach works. I've done it and it's absolutely simple. Anyone can do it. Yeah, because what ends up happening in this situation is, okay, I, I tell myself no fried foods whatsoever. And then I go to a family reunion or I go to a football game or I go mm-hmm. to something and invariably I smell it, I see it, I want it, I eat it. And then I eat more of it. And then the next day <laughs> I'm, I'm back at a fast food restaurant eating more fries and I'm, I'm frying food at home, you know, mm-hmm. healthier, right? Uh, having worked in fast food, I tell you, yeah, if you're frying at home, it's probably is healthier because if you don't want to even look in those fryers uh, at the <laughs> fast food. Oh, I'll give you a hint though. If you fry you. at home, <laughs> if you fry, try this at home, if you really want to prove something, uh, eat a, a baked potato with dinner and weigh yourself. The next night, eat fried potatoes and weigh yourself. You'll probably notice that, that you gained a half a pound or a pound, just the difference of eating a baked potato and eating a fried potato in one day. I think, you know, again, yeah. just as a demonstration, it, it, I, I did that once and I did it twice and I proved it a couple of times. It really does happen. That extra grease just lays there. It doesn't go away so fast. Yeah. Now, one of the other foods uh, that I want to talk to, and it's one we've talked about a few times on the podcast, but I really mm-hmm. want to send this home. Um, is that for, for a lot of people that are against meat eating mm-hmm. and particularly for ethical reasons, but they're more, I think more focused on the factory meat, 
And so you, you consider factory meat one of those more harm than good foods. Can you talk about factory meat and why we should be avoiding it? Absolutely. Factory meat. Now, I have, I decided to stop eating meat 30 years ago. And, and I, I talk about in the book how I, as a kid, I craved meat. I had to have it twice a day. Couldn't live without it. Once a day was not enough. And somehow I figured out step by step by step that, you know, all the problems, uh, heart disease, cholesterol, and now all the environmental factors involved. And then, I mean, I stopped eating meat a long time ago, but what we know about factory meat now, factory meat is toxic. I mean, if you're going to eat meat, I'm not going to talk you out of eating meat. What I'm going to say is stick to grass fed organic meat and, you know, in reasonable portions and you'll be fine. But if you're going to eat meat, really avoid factory meat because there are so many um, if you look at pre-COVID-19, there are several uh, epidemics that have broken out that have come out of um, meatpacking facilities because they're just full of virus and blood and guts and, you know, they're, they're really unsafe and unhealthy. Uh, also, uh, millions of acres of, um, in Central America, South America are just being wiped out uh, to, to, for cattle grazing. Um, the um, the methane gas coming out of cow butts and mouths are uh, is about fifteen percent of the uh, CO two problem for climate. I mean, and you can go on and on. It take to make one pound of beef. Now I learned as a freshman in college to make one pound of beef. It took eight pounds of grain, and I thought, wow, you could. And I was also taught in my ecology class that you could feed the world. You could wipe out hunger easily if people ate less meat because it's eight pounds of grain for one pound of beef. What I didn't know then, it also takes 2,000 gallons of water, one gallon of gasoline, and all sorts of other resources to make that one pound of beef. So at the rate we're going, we will literally kill humanity with beef production in I don't know how many years, but at the rate we're going, you know, a couple of decades or 50 years, something like that, we, we really have to cut down to save the planet besides saving your, your heart, your arteries, and, um, you know, a few other things. So uh, there's, there's just so many reasons why factory meat is, and I, I'm forgetting half of them. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it, 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 I go through it in the book. I mean, there's just so many reasons why factory meat is so bad, but um, I'm not completely anti-meat. If you're, you know, if you're a meat eater, just do it the right way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, the struggle I have, because, you know, if I'm going to get meat, I want to get it from a local vendor, a local farmer, mm -hmm. uh, grass fed, grass uh, finished. Uh, that's what I want. Most of what I eat is is, is that way. The, the issue I really have with factory meat is that, you know, these are not well cared for animals. They're, they're oh, no, sick. horrible. They're, 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 they're crowded. They they're put into little places Absolutely. and they're not, they're fed grains, which is not their natural food. Uh, they're fattened up. And they're, if they get sick, because they are going to get sick, they don't even wait for them to get sick. They're shot up with antibiotics. Uh, they're shooting them with steroids to make them bigger. Um, and just like some, some of our vegetables, uh, they've bred these animals to basically outgrow their frame, to, to be bigger, heavier, fatter than they were ever intended to be um, as, as, you know, happy animals. So there's just... For me, it's it's the the toxicity of the antibiotics and the steroids and just unhealthy animals. There's no way I feel that that's giving me the nourishment I need. And what I found is, if I go ahead and pay up for a steak and get a grass fed, grass finished steak, what I what I am paying like maybe two to three times more than I would pay for 
the regular steak. And the same for hamburger. But what I found is I eat about a, I eat about a two thirds or half less. And so, you know, not to throw a lot of statistics at you there, but you could do the math and basically see it doesn't really cost you much more to buy a higher quality product if you can get the nourishment you need by eating less. And so that's how I approach it is I don't eat as much beef or chicken as I used to because I don't need the large portions because I get the nutrition I need from the smaller portions. Therefore, uh, it, it doesn't cost me any more to eat the way I eat. I would emphasize what you just said about, do I want to consume these hormones? Do I want to consume these antibiotics? Do I want to consume these steroids? When I eat that factory meat, I'm consuming all that. What is that going to do to me? How long am I going to live consuming all those steroids and antibiotics and hormones? I mean, what's that going to do to my health? And, the, and the, you know, the business about what it costs, I would say, when you look at what you spend on sugar or liquor or going out to eat, even if you go out to eat a lot, even if you spend a lot of money there, now compare that to what you spend on your mortgage, insurance, car, clothing, children's education, food is really not that big an expense. If you wind up spending 20% or even 50% more eating healthy, organics, whatever, the benefits far outweigh. And plus, if you're even a couple of pounds thinner, you're going to spend, you know, 50 or $100,000 less on medical bills in the rest of your life. I mean, you really come out way ahead of the game financially yeah. if you just take a few basic steps. Yeah, it's way better than investing in the stock market, for sure. Even that. <laughs> Food is better. Okay, you mentioned it. So let's, let's jump into that. Let's, let's talk about why sugar is one of those more harm than good foods. Yeah, sugar is just, you know, I, I, as a sort of as a lark, as I was writing the first draft of the book, I started writing about comparing sugar to cocaine. And I thought, well, I'll just do this for fun. And then I realized I started looking at the, the pharmacology of sugar and the pharmacology of cocaine and the business of sugar and the business of, of cocaine. And it became a couple of short chapters in the book because it's amazing when you compare sugar to cocaine, how much they have in common. And the biggest difference, I'll just give you the bottom line, the biggest difference between sugar and cocaine is sugar is cheap and legal and cocaine is expensive and illegal. Um, and uh, you really, really should cut down on your sugar. I mean, it's, it's just, that's the reason why you're overweight. That's the reason why you're buying these expensive food products instead of food, which is, and again, make that distinction, always try to buy food, not food products. You know, we could, talk about labels for a while. If, if something doesn't have a label, you're better off with it than if it, you don't, then you don't have to read the label. But um, sugar is, is just, it's, it's I, I read a thing today. I was reading the, um, I went to USC and I was reading this USC uh, uh, science article. And uh, it said that American diet is made up of 16% sugar. I didn't even know that. I thought it was much lower than that. The average American, their diet is 16% sugar. It's really easy to cut that in half and it will make such a drastic change in your life. You'll be thinner. You'll be, you'll, you'll be more vital. Your brain will work better. Everything. If you have cancer, it won't explode as fast. I mean, there's so many reasons to cut down on your sugar and it's really not that hard to cut it in half, but certainly 16%. I was shocked when I read that. I just found that out today. Yeah. No, I, with my clients, when I start working with them and I have them, you know, chart their nutrition and we start that conversation, many of them are just shocked with how much sugar they actually eat uh, because they don't feel like they're eating a lot of sweets. They feel like they're just eating what they've always eaten, regular food. 
but unfortunately the food companies, uh, they love uh, making us eat more. They love keeping us addicted. They make money off it. The more sugar, the more they sell. They, exactly. You know, people buy the sweet stuff. I put more sugar in it. They buy the sweeter stuff, you know? Right. And so the best way for someone to know how much sugar is in their food, uh, if it's in a box bag, can or jar is to read the label. Absolutely. So talk to Absolutely. us a little bit about, about reading labels, what we should be looking for and how we'll know we're getting good stuff versus stuff we don't necessarily want to eat. Absolutely. You know, I found out the problem with reading labels when I happened to mention to a few people, we'll just read the label. And People I know with college degrees were yelling in my face, how dare you tell me to read a label? I'm a busy person. I don't have time to read labels. Well, you don't have to go in the store and read every label in the store. Just read one label each time you go in. Pick up something you're going to buy. Just read that label, and I'll make it even easier for you. Don't read the whole label. Don't read anything on the label but the ingredients. Don't read the endorsements. Don't read how good you'll feel. Don't read how long they've been in business. Don't Just that one little square or rectangle that's white with black printing in it that says ingredients. Just look at that. It'll take you 20 seconds. You will be shocked how much sugar is in everything you're buying. And you can easily, there's something probably right next to it that has half the sugar that you'll be just as happy with. And the most shocking example is uh, this giant supermarket that I go to that shall remain nameless because I'm hoping to work with them from the inside. They, ha they have built up this huge natural food section, the likes of which few supermarkets, except the really expensive, you know, like Wegmans, and, you know, they have it. But they have this huge section and they have like a whole aisle of boxed cereals and packaged cereals. And I started reading the labels on those. I could not find a single item in there that had less than 6% sugar. And most had 8 or 10% sugar. And this is in the health foods aisle. And, and Cheerios and cornflakes in the other side of the supermarket have less sugar than these so-called natural foods. I mean, it's just shocking how much even the natural foods industry is packing their stuff with sugar. And they may call it cane sugar. They may call it brown sugar. They may call it maltodextrin. They may, there's a thousand names for sugar. And I, I got 50 of them in the book. I mean, they're just a fructose, you know, it's, you know, that you look for corn syrup. Okay. You know, that's bad, but even the fructose that's in fruit, it's sugar. I mean, you know, you add all that up, it adds to your sugar. It's just shocking how much there is. So if you're a little bit aware of it, you can cut way down on it with very little effort. You can find substitutes that you like, that you're happy with, and it really will change your life. I mean, it's such a huge, huge thing. Yeah, just just swapping one or two things can drop yeah. your sugar dramatically. And but but the only way, only way you know that is to look at the label and and see because we've lost that capacity to taste a lot of this sugar because we're eating so much of it, um, and then as a result, you know, it it doesn't taste sweet, but. There's, mm -hmm. there's quite a bit in there. And you know what? When you cut down on sugar, you'll be amazed. Other foods start tasting better because you can taste them. Your taste buds adjust. All right. All right. Which leads me to my next item on the agenda, <laughs> vegetables and fish. You know, the, the two of my favorites. Uh, Absolutely. I, I try to have fish two or three times a week. Um, I have vegetables uh, every single day. They make up most of my dinner plate. Uh, and I, I eat low carb. So, you know, a lot of people think, okay, we're, we're all just meat eaters and we don't, uh, we don't actually eat healthy foods. It's not true. Uh, you can eat healthy any way of eating you want to eat. Uh, but I would say that most of us are not getting enough vegetables and fish. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I eat fish five or six times a week. And the reason I say I hate to admit it, because there's a lot of issues with plastic in the ocean now, and I'm working on projects to, you know, help out a little bit, just do whatever I can. 
Um, but if you eat organic fish or small fish, I, I eat sardines once a week, not because I like them, but because they're a small fish. And, and you know, the bigger fish, I really try to avoid tuna, although there's a couple of tuna companies that only sell small tunas, which have less mercury and chromium and everything else and aluminum and zinc and everything. You know, if you can eat smaller fish, that's better. Vegetables, everybody can find vegetables that they love. If you don't love certain vegetables, if certain vegetables don't love you, I mean, I know, for instance, for myself, I have problems digesting cruciferous vegetables. So I found the ones that don't bother me so much. Kale is a phenomenal cruciferous vegetable, but don't eat too much of it. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, anything else, don't overdo it. But you really, if you play around, if you experiment, if you customize, you can find a mostly plant-based diet that you're happier with than your mostly not plant-based diet pretty easily, you know, and uh, you don't have to go vegan. You don't have to go all the way, but if you can just go a little bit of the way, you're absolutely, you'll feel better. You'll be better. Everything will function better. Everything in your body down to the molecules will work better because those nutrients are what you really need to, to, to function well and be healthy and, and live a long time. Um, I, I credit vegetables to my success. Uh, I'm going to be 69 years old this week. I work out with the Manaswan Beach lifeguards. They're one of the best lifeguard crews on the Atlantic Ocean. These guys are great athletes. They're mostly in their 20s. I can pass the lifeguard test. I can swim and run fast enough to be a lifeguard. Every summer they offer me a job there and I politely thank, I, I'm thrilled to be offered the job. But most of the people I know my age can't do that. They're overweight, they're stuck on the couch. And a lot of it has to do with they're burdened with sugar. They're burdened with not enough nutrients because they're not eating enough vegetables. It's, it's really, it's amazing how good vegetables are for you. Yeah. I got them on the cover of my book. There's vegetables. <laughs> Can I show the book? Is that okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. My two favorites here are bananas and carrots. So if you're stuck on a, um, on a, on a tropical island or in Panama like you are, you got plenty of bananas. If you're stuck uh, you know, somewhere else, you'll find the carrots. Those are my two favorites. But any vegetable that you like, you can absolutely make your life better with. And, and they'll fill you up. It's better filling yourself up with bananas and carrots than it is filling yourself up with bread and French fries. And I, I can attest to that because I've done it both ways. Yeah, I agree. And, and, it, and it's not, again, the, the customize yourself approach here is not a, you must do this or you must do that. It's really a, okay, you know the foods that are not serving you. And you, know, you mentioned one that everybody else will be able, of course you want to eat more of this, blueberries. Um, you struggle with blueberries. Right. So I found blackberries. I have, now I have been hearing, now I think all the uh, news and marketing on blueberries, a lot of that is created by the people who sell and market blueberries who have convinced you that blueberries is the magic food or superfood. A, a lot of things are called superfood. Walnuts, superfood. Another superfood I have an issue with. Walnuts um, uh, make me vomit. Most people, and, and it's a great superfood. Uh, blueberries uh, don't agree with me. But then I found blackberries. Blackberries agree with me just fine. So if there's a great superfood that people say, oh, you got to eat this. Like I just told you to eat bananas and carrots. If those don't agree that those don't work, try something else. You'll find, that's why I say the whole customized thing. You'll find stuff that you like. I mean, I gave up on blueberries, you know, after trying many times. And then I discovered blackberries by accident. I was at somebody's house and there was a blackberry there. And I said, oh, that works. Now I buy blackberries every week, but I buy organic blackberries. The thing with berries is, 
they really, the pesticides stick to the berries. So you really, I know it's a dollar or two more, but really when, the, if you're gonna spend anything on organic food, do it for the berries, the strawberries, the raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, whatever berry you're into, find one or two you like. And I really urge, especially organic there because the, the pesticide problem is great with that. But it's, you know, it's the same thing with like, I've gotten way into nuts and seeds. And as a kid and a young adult, I hardly ever had nuts and seeds. I didn't realize how much I even liked them, how good they are for you. And again, find the nuts and seeds that work for you. Walnuts didn't work for me. So I go to cashews, I go to uh, pistachios, uh, I go to almonds. I mean, it's, it, it, again, customize, find out, try different things. You'll find stuff that you love. It works like magic. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate. Our, uh, my mother would fill our, our Christmas stocking with nuts so that she didn't have to give us as much candy. Uh, and so, you know, I, but I fell in love with Brazil nuts uh, as a kid. And so I'm, I'm very much a, a, a rabid nut eater. Millennium. Don't go overboard. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. But I know, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> but I, I love them. And so, yeah, I don't go overboard on them, but I, I do have them from time to time. And uh, I, I eat uh, one a week. That's, I, that's, okay. that's how much selenium, but I could eat 10 a day. I mean, they're great. I love they are them. Great. They are great. Yeah. So, uh, Chuck, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Um, well, you know what? I knew you were going to ask me that. So, so I wrote down a few things. One is what we talked about. Um, it's, it's slow and steady wins the game. It's, it's the gradual approach. I mean, we really went over that. Most of these things, uh, I just... You know, I know you love to jump into things. I don't want to uh, dissuade you of that, but I have just observed in the gym, in life, with food, with weight issues, with weight control, that if you take this gradual approach, it's that's the one I advocate. And 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 the way I would describe it is think evolution, not revolution. Think that you're going to evolve. I mean, revolution is sexy and dramatic, but you can also get shot between the eyes and it's over like that. But evolution, it really is why we are still here on this planet. So that, that's what I urge. The other thing I've noticed is, um, you know, I call the book Customize Yourself, but I, I could also call it Customize for Yourself because I have run into a lot of people, especially older women in their 40s and 50s who are having weight issues. They, they sort of know that as you get older, your metabolism slows down and you gain weight. And that is the fact. I mean, you really have to, it doesn't take much. You can exercise 10 extra minutes a day and not gain that pound a year that you don't even notice as you're getting older past the age of 30. But, but what I've noticed is a big problem is they'll go home to their mother or their grandmother or their spouse or their group of friends or their roommate or whoever with a different way of eating. And they're like, oh no, don't do that. This is, you know, we, I, my grandmother taught me how to make this bread or taught me how to make this stew or whatever. It's like, it, it's, it's wrong if you change the way you eat, because we have, our family has proven this is the right way. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh God, I, I, I'll feel guilty if I don't eat my mother's home cooked baked bread or, or whatever it is. You really have to get over that. You don't have to proselytize. You don't have to tell your mother she can't eat her bread, but you really have to think about it for yourself. And, and, and that's something I, you know, I've noticed it and be grateful for it because you have something that is, will help you to get older and be healthy and not just, and be vital and not deteriorate like everybody else. So um, I proselytize, you proselytize, we're allowed to, but 
to, to everybody else, I just don't let somebody lay a guilt trip on you like, oh, don't do that because the family doesn't do that or something like that. And, and the third thing I would say is um, don't rely on food to make you happy. Um, a lot of people are li literally ingrained with the. It's very simple. Everybody's heard this before. You know, don't live to eat. People live to eat. You know, don't live to eat, eat to live. First time I heard that, it just you know, a light bulb went off over my head. Well, that's really easy. I can do that. And, you know, I find most people live to eat. And, and if you eat to live, it's just, it's a better thing. And find other things to be happy. So I'll, I'll give you one more thing. And, and this is a guaranteed way to make happy, be happy. That's another thing I want to compliment you on. You make a point of in, in wellness, that happiness is an important component of that. I have never heard a trainer say that. I have never heard, you know, even nutritionists say that. I think you are, it's so important that you include that in, in what you teach to your students and what you tell your listeners, because people do want happiness. It's, it's one of the things that we have in our constitution, you know, happiness. Yeah. So I will give you a surefire way to be happy. And again, no trainer ever told me this. I guarantee this will make you happy every day. Play with a dog. If you don't have a dog, find a dog. Play with your neighbor's dog. You know, go to a dog park or get a dog. I, I'm telling you, five minutes playing with a dog, two minutes playing with a dog a day will make you happy. I just guarantee it. And you can find simple things like that. It is really that simple. You know, don't make it complicated. Make it simple. So play with a dog is, is my last one. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite quotes is, I aspire to be the guy my dog thinks I am. Oh yeah. Great quote. Great. Just watch a dog. Look how happy the dog it's. I watch dogs and I go, why can't I be that happy? You know, why can't I jump in the air and do a backflip and roll around on my back and, you know, run up to another dog and nip their ear. I mean, you can't do that with people because you'll get in trouble, but yeah, look, I, I wish, I wish I could do that. Chuck, if someone wanted to learn more about you, learn more about your book, customize yourself nutrition, where would you like for me to send them? Uh, you can go to either Amazon. If you're Amazon is where you can buy the book. Uh, just, you know, look up customize yourself nutrition and, or you can go to my website, which is customizeyourself.org. Very simple. Customizeyourself.org. Okay. Either way, you know, you can find your way to me and I'll be happy to be your friend. And I hope I can help a little bit. Thank you. Uh, you can go to 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash five zero one. And I'll be sure to have the links there. So Chuck, thank you so much for being a part of 40 plus fitness. Alan, thank you so much. Anytime I, I, I had a blast. I will do this with you anytime I, I am at your service. Okay. Well, you've got the nutrition book coming out next year, so we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. Welcome back, Raz. Oh, Alan. Oh my gosh. We have a lot to talk about here, but before we talk about customizing ourselves, which is just brilliant, um, I got to go back to what you guys said at the beginning about having a half a million centarians um, by the year 2060. How is that even going to be possible? It's, it's really just a function of numbers. Okay. Um, it's not that there's going to necessarily be a larger percentage of centurions than there are today. Okay. It just means there's going to be a lot more people. Mm -hmm. uh, so our population is, unless something tragic happens, our population will continue to grow. We're approaching 8 billion people now. By that time, uh, my guess is we'll probably be somewhere in the 9 billion, maybe closer to 10, somewhere mm -hmm. in that range. So, so you just added over 20% more people. 
um, you know, to have more people, when you have those more people, then of course the percentage of whoever's going to make it to a hundred, uh, goes up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as you look at our, and then the other thing is, yeah, there's an expectation that technology will extend our life expectancy. Some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at one point our life expectancy was below 45 and then within a hundred years, we now have it up to I think for women is something like 78.8 for men. It's hovering somewhere just in the high 77 point something. Um, so, you know, you look at it, the average person in general is going to live till they're, they're in their late seventies. Uh-huh. And then you have these, well, you know, statistics is a, it's a bell curve of people that are going to live one standard deviation longer. It's, you know, that's a few years and two standard deviations and three all the way out. And then those outliers that, yeah, they live to hundred is just mm-hmm. like on the other side of that average of the, the kids that die at birth. And so the average is really just a function of math to say, okay, if we can keep more kids from dying and making it even to age one, then that shifts the average. But when you start looking at the outliers, it's really, if you have more people, mm-hmm. then those, even the number of outliers goes up. So it sounds like a yeah, big number, it but does. You, can, you can take it and round it. I mean, you kind of look at it from a percentage of people, 50 million relative to say 10 million, 10 mm-hmm. billion, um, you still see it's a very small fraction of people. It's a, effectively a rounding error, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but yeah. you know it. But what it what it speaks to is when people know there's the potential to live longer. Because so mm-hmm. they're fixing they're fixing the medical care. They're making us live longer. The question isn't will I make it to a hundred. It's like how much am I going to like being a hundred. And the last 10 years of my life, what are those going to be like? So the, I want to be able to wipe my butt at 105 comment is really me acknowledging that there is a potential for me to live that long. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be here that long, what do I want my life to be like? That's a good point. I had mentioned to you earlier that I had great grandparents that lived until 103 and 104 when they both passed within about a month of each other. So, and they are like my example of what potential I have to have a long and healthy life because they didn't leave their home. They lived in their home until they were 97 years old. And then they went into assisted living. And I recall my great-grandfather used a cane, but I don't recall either of them requiring a wheelchair to get around until maybe later. But um, but they were both very healthy people um, until, obviously, until they decided to get some assisted living. I think they were just tired of the upkeep of their farm property at that point. And yeah. God bless them, they deserve to relax a little <laughs> at that point. But yeah, I've always had that example in my life. And, and my grandparents did live into their 80s and 90s. So I, I do have some not quite centarians, but close and and they all lived very long and very healthy lives. And I think besides the genetics, their lifestyle kind of rubbed off on me. So that's probably why I'm as healthy as I am. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the cores is that, uh, you know, genetics is sort of the blueprint, mm-hmm. if you will, for, for what's possible with your body. 
Um, you know, if you have the right genetics, then you can be an elite athlete. If you do the training, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're an elite athlete just because you have the genetics of True. an elite athlete. So you have to do something to make those genetics matter. And so mm -hmm. I like to think of it in terms of the blueprint and you can decide if you're going to build your house out of steel and wood, or whether you're going to build your house out of fluff and twinkies. <laughs> and, oh boy. <laughs> you know, and, yep. and so if we're building our house the right way and we're using good materials, those materials mm -hmm. will serve us over those years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are houses, the house, the house I'm in right now, when I'm in Lula's, this house was originally built over 80 years ago. Ooh. Now wow. it's been rebuilt over and rebuilt over and everything else. But when we tore up the floors um, here in this particular room, uh, we could see where they had literally just set wood on dirt. And you just don't do that if you want that house to stand for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. That's how you do a barn. People build barns and sometimes <laughs> they do that. Sometimes they put footings, but a lot of times they'll just let the wood sit on the dirt and that barn's not going to last more than 20 years and then it's going to be gone. So the fact that this thing was still standing was, was huge and we didn't realize it. They started tearing out the wall and some of the structure was gone. As a result, we saw the house starting to shift. You couldn't open oh. the doors in here. Oh, and wow. so, you know, when the contractor showed up that day, I'm like, we got to do something because when you can't open a door, that's, that's an indication that something bad is happening. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the main contractor got in here and said, yeah, we got to shore up these walls today. Uh, so this oh my gosh. All over. And, but that's the whole point is, you know, the structures there, mm -hmm. the blueprints there, if you're using quality materials and doing things right. So you're feeding your body the right foods you're building your body the right way, then you have the capacity to last a lot longer and for the quality of that lasting mm -hmm. to be there. So if this wall had fallen, then part of Lula's would have fallen. The whole thing wouldn't because a large percentage of it is concrete, mm -hmm. but we would have this caved inside of the house. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, if you're not taking care of yourself and you have a stroke or a heart attack, uh, you have to have bypass surgery or stents put in. All of those things, they're, they're, they're basically making it harder. They're slowing you down. And, or if you fall and break a hip, it's, you know, it's that concept of the healthier you are before you go into something, the better off you're going to be. And, yeah. and so that's, that's where the concept of Centera's and the reason I want to bring it because his mother's a hundred now, 111, Oh my and, gosh! you know, and, and so, yeah, I'm going to listen to her. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Chuck has a fitness book coming out. And as soon as her fitness, but his fitness book is out, I'm going to have him back on uh, to talk about that because yes, cool. I'm absolutely going to listen to people who've who are living uh, that, you know, we, we had on uh, Barbara and Margaret a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who are, you know, going into their seventies. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to listen to them because they're there, um, you know, where I'm going to be. They're an opportunity for us to look into the future mm -hmm. and, and see things we can change now. So we're not dealing with that in the future because we're not going to have a time machine and be able to come back <laughs> right. and fix ourselves now. Right. And say, <laughs> you know, they're not going to come back and sit today to our 40 year old selves or 50 year old self, please mm -hmm. exercise more. Please don't eat that crap. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, as I sit here as a 50 year old, I look back at, in my, my youthful days and, 
And I think, well, maybe I should not have celebrated with McDonald's after a half marathon because you know? <laughs> <laughs> I did, <laughs> um. but I don't anymore. But you know what Chuck mentioned or his whole theory about customizing, I think is so brilliant because we want the right diet. We want the right exercise regimen, but it's not one thing. There's so many options of diets to follow or different type of exercise modalities to follow. And you can't just assume that you can put A and B and get to C. You just need to customize it to see what, whatever suits you. Yeah. Well, we're all different. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, Chuck, Chuck was really good. And we talked about this on the episode uh, of moderation where, where he will set a goal for himself to cut back on one of his more harm than good foods mm -hmm. and, and say, instead of eating pizza four days per week, I'm going to only eat it three times a week. And that's a 25% <laughs> decrease in the mm -hmm. amount of pizza that he's ordering and eating. He's, he can do that. Mm -hmm. Me, I would be thinking about that pizza the whole time. I, yeah. I, I can't, I don't do moderation well. And, and knowing myself that way, it's like, if I tell myself I, I can't have pizza, you know, then I'm going to be like, okay. Um, you know, right, right now I don't, I mean, I live close enough to a pizza place, but it's my thing was pizza. And that was mm -hmm. the thing I want to get rid of. And I lived across the street from my favorite pizza restaurant. <laughs> and I knew that I could order that. And I love that it's called chow here on the Island. So if you're ever coming to Boca del Toro, make sure you go up to chow. Oh, it's the best, it's the best pizza on the Island. And Thanks. wonderful owners, wonderful owners too. Oh. But that said, uh, they're open, I think four days a week. And so they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those are, those are open days right now. And so if I said, I'm going to have their pizza every single day and uh, that I can, I'm going to order mm -hmm. a pizza every single day. And then I say, okay, well, I'm eating pizza four days a week. I'm like, I'm going to skip one of those days. And so I just mm -hmm. decide I'm going to skip Thursday. I'm going to be thinking about that pizza all day on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then what's going to end up happening is I'm probably going to order two pizzas on Friday. <laughs> you know, that's just, <laughs> that's just my mindset is like, Ooh, I love this pizza and I'll have some for breakfast and I'll have some for lunch. Whereas I normally wouldn't have done that. I normally oh. would order my one pizza. I would have eaten about half of it. And then yes, for breakfast, the next day I would have eaten the rest of it. But Ooh, that was, that was just my approach. If I were eating pizza every day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's good that, um, chow is, is a good, uh, probably about good, let's say three miles from three and a half, four miles from here. So not someplace I'd walk to every day to, to have pizza, <laughs> but I only say that because everybody's different right. and the foods, the foods that your body is going to naturally love is a little different, mm -hmm. but what we do know, and you know, is that there are those more harm than good foods. They're the mm -hmm. processed meats. They're the fast food. They're the sugar, you know, fries. they're the French fries. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so find your poison, find the things that you're eating that, you know, are not serving you mm -hmm. and then just do a little less of them. And I'm pretty sure when we get to his fitness uh, book, I'm assuming it's going to be a very similar message of just try to do a little more. I love it. You know, if you're not doing anything now, uh, just try to walk for 15 minutes in the mm -hmm. evenings. And, yeah. You know, I love that idea because like you said, if you just take it, well, like he said, slow and steady wins the race. If you just try a few things like change an, an unhealthy breakfast, like if you have cereal, which you know is laden with sugar and junk, change cereal to maybe oatmeal or to maybe eggs, you know, just 
take one meal and change it or take one afternoon snack and change it to a fruit or a vegetable snack that you wouldn't normally eat. If you just do little things, it all accumulates to big results. Yeah. Uh, when I'm talking to a client about, you know, when we, we're talking about their food and there's a, a food that kind of fits that same category of more harm than good. I, I usually talk to them in, in terms of three things, because there's three things you can do. If there's a food that mm -hmm. you know is doing you harm, mm -hmm. okay, you can't eliminate it. So I'm a, I'm not a moderation person. So for me, that's the, that's the clear path for me is just eliminate it. Mm -hmm. Okay. For a lot of people, that's not something they can do. Mm -hmm. So we want to reduce it. So yeah. like his, that's Chuck's method where Chuck's saying, okay, if the, you want French fries and you usually eat them five days per week, can you cut one of them out? And at least that's a 20% reduction over what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And you can do that, then that that's great. So that's reduction. And then the third way is replacement. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so a lot of folks that will get into keto will uh, use cauliflower as a, a way to avoid eating potatoes. So they'll make mashed cauliflower. They'll also use cauliflower for the crust of pizza. So they're doing away with a lot of the carbs that would come in their pizza. Mm -hmm. uh, so carb using um, cauliflower, they've effectively reduced or replaced what they were doing before, you know, so it's a replacement. So the three ways are eliminate, reduce, mm -hmm. or replace. I love it. Great and tips. And a lot of people will do that with sodas. So they drink a regular soda, Coke, soft drink, pop, uh -huh. whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, we call, we call it pop. <laughs> I think I got all of them. I think I got all of them, but yeah. I, I'll just call them soft drinks for the sake yeah. of clarity. Uh, let's say you, you're used to drinking a soft drink. Uh, maybe, maybe it's even just one per day. You know, you have mm -hmm. your one soft drink per day and you look at it and it's 39 grams of sugar. I'm like, wow. You know, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. a, actually that's a lot. Um in a little 12 ounce can. Uh, and you say, you know, I'll just replace that with a diet soft drink. Mm -hmm. That is better, mm -hmm. but it's not optimal. And you know that, you know, this is a more harm than good food. So his second stage of, of the, of the customized process is then after you've accomplished that you've shifted from the regular soft drink to the diet soft drink, the next stage for him would be to look at that again and say, can I make another foray into this? Can I, mm. can I cut back on those? So maybe that's a volume thing rather than a, just a, an exchange thing, but finding the way that you can reduce your exposure to something that's doing you harm is going to be good. Mm -hmm. I love that. He said, eat to live and not live to eat. And if you can think of the foods that you choose in terms of how they benefit your overall health and fitness, it's sometimes a little easier to get rid of some things. You know, I know that for me, bread doesn't serve me. It doesn't give me any energy. It doesn't give me um, any building blocks of protein. It's just, to me, it's a useful, I, a, a useless item for me in my diet. So it's easy for me to slough that off. But um, I also focus on, instead, I focus on protein because I need that for all of the um, weightlifting and running that I do. I need to make sure my muscles are healthy and are rebuilding when I push them too much. So, you know, it's just different attitude towards what you choose. Yeah. Well, again, I, I'll just go back to the, the concept of there, there is a genetic blueprint for you. Mm-hmm. And then you're making decisions about how that blueprint is used. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so the food that you're putting in your mouth are building blocks mm-hmm. and they're going to determine how healthy your muscles are, how healthy your bones are, how healthy uh, your ligaments and tendons are, uh, how healthy your brain is. And so if you're not putting the right building materials in there, you are building your body out of fluff. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) And, and, and too much of that means that you're going to be building weakness into your frame. Now you might lift weights and you might run, you might be this tremendous athlete, but if you're still eating Taco Bell and other crap Mm -hmm. and building your rebuilding your body with those Mm -hmm. and every, every cell in your body dies and is replaced by something else, another cell of the same meat in model, <laughs> but it, it's made with what was available at the time. Now you can recycle some of the amino acids and things from that, some fats from the cells, but in a general sense, we have to keep eating those building materials to replace those cells. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting adequate protein, you're not getting adequate, um, nutrition, you know, calcium, magnesium, all of it. Um, fat, healthy fats, if you're not getting those things, then now you're building the cell membranes, the cells themselves out of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's like Lula's wall that was built on the dirt, wood on dirt, and it rotted through. And as soon as we took away just some of the support, we could see the damage. And so just any little thing happening to your health and fitness, you're going to be impacted a lot worse than if you had done less harm. Right. You know, just one last thing I want to point out real quick is that where you get those nutrients, like the calcium and magnesium and proteins and stuff can totally vary from person to person. And you don't need to be a vegan or vegetarian or paleo or keto or any other named diet. And, and like uh, Chuck had mentioned, he can't digest cruciferous vegetables or he does not like walnuts. They don't agree with him. Or and blueberries. Or blueberries. Not, blueberries. <laughs> well, truth be told, my mom is actually allergic to blueberries. So no okay. matter how much of a superfood it is, she can't eat them. But that's exactly my point is that if you choose not to eat meat, fine, then find those important building blocks in the vegetables and nuts that you choose to eat instead. Or if your body can't digest kale and cruciferous vegetables, then maybe a more meat based diet is appropriate for you. But that's, there's such a a diet war out there. And that's what I want to get across is that, like Chuck said, you have to customize it to what your body needs and don't get hung up on one diet or another, just choose the right foods that your body needs. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, Rachel, uh, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and call it a show and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, Alan. You too. Thanks. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet James Petrosi and discuss his book, Know Your True Self, The Formula to Raise Human Consciousness. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.